Welcome back to another episode of Millennial Manhood. This is your host, Yavitz Churchovich. And today on the episode, I have Thomas Champa with me. Thomas has a super interesting story in the sense that I named the episode Put Down the Beer because Thomas, for a young man in his early 20s, is incredibly self-aware. That's what I took away from the podcast. So again, I named it Put Down the Beer because quite frankly, uh, these are my words, not his, but I, I'd assume he'd agree with me. At 19, he found himself being basically a complete loser. No future, no prospects, nothing in life to really look forward to. And he had to sit down and figure out, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to look forward to in life and how I'm going to make myself better? And really the story that he tells today is one of overcoming pretty much all the odds being against you and how to do that strategically and think through what do you want your future to look like? So really appreciated Thomas uh, getting quite vulnerable in certain pieces and, and really sharing a, a story that most people probably wouldn't want to share. So for everybody listening, I think you'll enjoy it. Remember to give us a five-star rating on iTunes and share it with your friends. Welcome back, everyone. Got another episode here. Got Thomas Champa with me. Thomas, for folks who don't know who you are, some might, most probably don't. <laughs> who are you? What's, what's your story? What's a 10,000-foot view? Yeah. Oh, I appreciate you having me on first and foremost. Uh, but yeah, I'm Tommy Champa and I'm currently uh, based out of Milwaukee, 23 years old, and I work in logistics and I'm kind of a big fan of side hustles and just kind of personal development. I kind of started off in a, a little bit of a rougher path in life, I would be pretty honest to say, and, and seen some things when I was probably 14, 15 that most people don't really go through. And I think it kind of took me down a path of uh, some not so great stuff. And then after a little bit, kind of just switched uh, my mindset and, and really dug into like why I'm like here and why I really want to like kind of change my life for the better. And so over the past probably three or four years now, I've just really dug into personal development and, and really trying to change myself for the better and then share my story along the way. Interesting. So what do you mean by personal development? Like, what is that actually? Because that's a catch-all term. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a term that's used to sell a lot of crap to a lot of people. Totally. But what specifically do you mean when you say that? Yeah, I think for me, um, to be like completely honest, I was down a path of like, I was drinking a lot. I was partying a lot. I was doing drugs. And for me, I think personal development is just kind of being completely honest with yourself and like where you really want to go. And then just doing whatever it kind of you need to, to get like, towards that path. So for me, I think like I just needed to, I think the biggest thing for me in personal development is getting away from old circumstances. So I like, I used to grow up, I grew up in a small kind of, uh, probably like a town of a thousand people, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, for me, I mean, that was just like partying and that was, I mean, you're going to the same spot every day and kind of just sticking into like a cycle. And for me, that was just getting out of that cycle. And so I think personal development as a whole can be whatever you need it to be. Like, I agree. I think there's so much stuff out there that's kind of bogus. And there's all like the, the similar stuff of like, you need to wake up at 5am or whatever the case may be, or read these books. But for me, I think it was just recognizing what I needed and then kind of doing those things. Yeah, it's kind of like the wake up at 5 a.m. and read these books deal. It, here's the deal, <laughs> in my opinion. 
waking up at 5 a.m. itself is not going to make you a more productive or better human being. Reading these books in themselves is not going to make you a better or more productive or, or self-developed human being. It's just that those tend to be somewhat common traits of people who tend to be incredibly uh, efficient in achieving goals. Now, with the caveat here, we look at these folks and say, oh, so-and-so's got this much money. Oh, so-and-so you know, has got this much fame. So-and-so's got whatever. Look, dude, if you're working 20 hours a day ignoring your kids and your wife yeah. and you got a whole <laughs> bunch of money, that's not something to be proud of. Yeah, I totally agree. Like, that's actually a pretty crappy life. Yeah. And I think that's like one big thing that I think personal development kind of skips over is that they don't, they kind of base like a successful life around like a few things. Yeah, And like, I think maybe for some people, like a super successful life is like, you're talking about, like, for me, I think it's just being able to like be there for my family or be there for my kids. Like, I don't have to be a millionaire. I don't have to be anything that's like super significant or on the cover of Forbes. And so I think personal development really tends to go to the extreme. When you hear personal development, it's always on that like far left spectrum. And it's, again, almost too much where it's like, yeah, waking up at 5 a.m. Like, I know for me, that's definitely not the the route I would go. If I did that, I'd probably be a zombie most of the day. But yeah, it's interesting when people kind of go down that route of personal development. You're either like all in, which is almost too much, or you're like not at all where you're not doing it at all. Yeah, I mean, there's a middle ground. Like, there's nothing wrong with waking up at 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. or 3, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing totally. inherently wrong with it. Actually, you probably will have a more productive day. Just if we if we took a, a broad swath of the population and said, hey, everybody wake up at 4, productivity would probably go up because there's just, you know, more efficiencies. Uh, I'm and, and there's nothing wrong with working hard either. You know, my 20 out of 24 hour I'm using that as an extreme, but if you want to be successful in whatever capacity you want to be successful in, it's going to require work and effort. Absolutely. I'm more so talking about the obsessive nature of things and, and the obsessive route. A lot of these thoughts and concepts can send you down, especially at 23. So you're still really young. (laughs) Yeah. And, and just by the very nature of being 23, you're still, you're still susceptible to, um, at a higher level level what I've heard described as young man idealism. So talk to me about this. So you, you find yourself in drugs, alcohol, all the, all these bad, you know, things that for some reason in America, we justify when you're 18, 19, he's like, Oh, they're just <laughs> yeah. kids. like, no, this dude's an alcoholic. <laughs> totally. Like if you're binge drinking at nine in the morning and you're 19, you're an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't Dude, care how totally. old you are. <laughs> we, we like, Oh, they're just going through college. It's like, well, no, I'm in my I'm in my 30s now, and those people that were doing that in college are still doing it. At what point do we call them an alcoholic, guys? Yeah, it's like the age keeps getting pushed back a little bit. It's like, oh, by like 30, if you're you're doing all right, if you're just kind of waking up at 12 and start drinking, it's football, dude. Like, it, especially here in the Midwest, like the Packers on. If they're on at 11, you're gonna have a beer. But yeah, yeah. but I'll take it a step further. I'm talking about people. Like, there's no football. There's nothing. They're just yeah. drinking. True. Which I like a good beer. I like drinking. Totally. <laughs> but, but at some point you got to stop me like, dude, you're grown. You're a, and you're an adult. Yeah. Um, but what were some of the initial things that started help? Because I'm assuming when you're talking about drinking and drugs and all these different things, you're not talking about recreational use. You're talking about like destructive use in your life. Totally. Talk, talk to us about that. Yeah. So I think I'll go from like the beginning of where it almost started. Uh, it'll give a little bit of context. So I, 
uh, grew up with a mother who was an alcoholic. And uh, probably for a good three, four years, it was just me, her, and my sister in the household. My dad was, he was working in Philly and Minnesota and different stuff like that. So we pretty much just, and my sister was older, she was hanging out with friends. So it was really me and my mom in the household. So I was going through the cabinets, dumping out liquor, doing all this stuff to make sure that she was staying sober, which in terms she probably wasn't. But um, so I think I saw it from that end and then go through my course of life so far. Uh, when I got bad with it, I think I like noticed trends and I saw stuff that was like that she did now that and now I'm doing it, but I'm justifying it. And so I think like, like like hiding alcohol in your cupboard or not cupboard, your uh, closet. And like, people are like, why do you have this in here? And it's like, oh, it's just, you know, it's for next weekend. When in terms it was for tonight. Mm. And like justifying why I'm waking up at 12 and first thing I do is crack open a beer or first thing I do is look for the can that's on the floor that's semi-full and I drink that because there's nothing left. And so I think for me, like the big thing that started to help or like that kind of got me out of that was one recognizing that I'm literally doing the same thing that my mom was doing. Mm. And for me, the reason why I justified it was because I went through like some crap, like I, I lost my mom to cancer at 14. And so for me, it was like, let's party hard, like live life and have no regrets. And I think the biggest thing that I needed to do was just be honest and I, I technically failed out of school my first year and I got in trouble with the law. So I lost my license. And at that point it was like, holy crap, I actually need to do something. And so I just sat there and like wrote down a bunch of things that I wanted to accomplish in life. And, and what I doing right now going to help me probably not. So I think that was like the biggest like point where I recognized what I was doing and <laughs> pretty much how terrible it was. How old were you? Oh God, I was 19. Okay. How did that feel getting in trouble with the law, lo- losing your license, somewhat hitting a rock bottom yeah. um, <laughs> at 19 when the, I'm assuming you went to college and you dropped out of it, right? Yeah. Well, I, I like to say I dropped out. I technically got kicked out, but uh, depends you, you, on, were, you were strongly encouraged to leave. Yeah, that? I got the, I got like the pink letter. And when you ever, anybody got that, it's like, oh, all right, you got some work to do. Yeah. So how did it feel to be at that low point at 19? Yeah, I think it, I mean, it was extremely sobering in a <laughs> funny way, I guess. Um, but growing up in a small town, like if you partied into drugs and you, but you played sports and you were good, like I played a bunch of sports, we had good sports teams, it was acceptable. Mm. And so when I, the big thing that changed when I got out of high school, graduated, I'm not playing sports anymore and I'm living in my sister's basement and I get in trouble with the law. It's like everyone, instead of looking at me as like, oh, it's the, yeah, he parties, but he's a good athlete. It's that kid. Yeah. Now they just, they took like half of that equation out. And it's like, no, that's the kid who parties. And now he got in trouble with the law. And now look at what he's doing. Like he's not doing anything productive. And so for me, that was like super, um, just super hard to deal with. Because I went from a kid that like worked in the community. I volunteered. I played sports and I partied, yeah, but I was looked at as a good kid. And then you take all that stuff out because I'm out of there. And I was looked at as kind of trash, to be completely honest. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting how we um, 
almost give you a pass. I wonder what that is in our society. Like, cause we're talking about high school sports here. Yeah. Okay. We're in the grand scheme of things. They don't really matter at all. Totally. Especially D four or whatever we were. Yeah. Now, now like, don't get me wrong. I played sports in high school. I, lo- I love sports. Like I think it's great for developing young people totally. because the, the lessons you learn in particular is specifically about losing. Absolutely. And how to lose and how to work with a team and all this other stuff. I think it's incredibly crucial there. However, grown people caring about their high school team as if it's life (laughs) or death, maybe got some issues there. Or going Uh, back to the glory days and telling how you threw a touchdown pass through 17 defenders for the championship or something when you're like 27. Well, and that's not even that bad of a deal because I'm all for people reliving parts of their life that are important to them. But- you know, giving a 16-year-old a pass on, you know, doing drugs because he can throw a ball far. Okay, now we have a societal problem. <laughs> yeah. Like, totally. this kid's not curing cancer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so and, and you end up in a situation where, and uh, I mean, we've all seen it. Oh, yeah. Where, you know, once you walk across that stage with that diploma and then go into freshman year of college or wherever, you've gone from, hey, everybody cares about me to nobody cares. Oh, and yeah. now you go down a spiral. Yep. So you get to this rock bottom and you make this list about things you want to accomplish. I mean, what was one of the things you wanted to accomplish? I think the biggest one was get my license back. <laughs> how, okay. So how long did that take? Oh, got it. I think a f- technically a full calendar year. Um, I lost it in, I lost it on Memorial Day uh, of 2016, um, wearing short jean shorts and a cutoff flannel. Mm. So that's the kind of day it was. It was one of those days. Um, but yeah, I think a full calendar year of going from like court stuff to uh, not having it to like a temp license where I could drive to work and school, I think. And that's it. Um, so, so did you yeah. end up going back to school? Yeah. So I... Was that another thing? Yeah, that was... Uh, it was interesting because I was really on the border of like, do I go back or do I not? And... I'm, I think the school system's great. I don't think it's for everybody. And so at that point, I was kind of figuring it out. Is it for me or not? Um, but yeah, that was definitely on the list. I think like it just felt, it made me feel like I was actually doing something. Because without it, I was working a minimum wage job, walking to work. And so that was interesting. Mm. But Okay, that's another, okay, I want to unpack that. So you go from being good at sports, being like this local superhero almost, because that's what happens in small towns, Yep. <laughs> to now you're walking to a minimum wage job. Okay, I talk about a lot on this podcast about getting kicked in the face a few times in life before you start giving out advice. How hard of a kick to the face was that? Oh, it was insane. Um, and the kind of the crazy thing, so like I couldn't get a job, and the only job I got was a minimum wage job working for my uncle because I pretty much begged him to get it. Uh, because that's like what I was, I would say, worth at that point. Um, and it was nuts because it was kind of during the the Wisconsin winter. So, gosh, I'm that off. sucks. <laughs> yeah, and and I'm one of those guys that like never has a winter jacket or dresses like a little bit under what I probably should for the weather that's out there. Um, so that it wasn't always uh, the most fun. I think like that was, it was nuts because you always hear about like these stories of people going through something and then they rise to the occasion, right? And it's kind of the mm-hmm. classical like success story. And at that point, I remember sitting there and being like, wow, maybe this is like a little bit of my story or maybe this is the point or maybe I just continue to do this for the rest of my life. Like there was kind of two paths that I could go down where it's 
I turn this into something or I turn it to what I do for the rest of my life. Mm. So what was, what was the inflection point? What was the moment where you said, okay? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I was working there for four or five months and I got really, really sick of it. I don't think there was like a specific point where it was like, okay, I'm, I'm changing my life. You know, like, I think a lot of people talk about that. Like the day that I drew the line in the sand and stepped over it and I never did it again. For me, it was like a continual, like gradual, like this sucks. And if I really want to do something, I'm going to have to change what I do. Like I'm going to have to change my daily routine, who I hang out with. And I do remember going there like my last day and it's like, all right, this is, I will never come back to this point. Like I'll never come back to this low. Like this is, like you said, like this is rock bottom for Tommy Champa, and I do I never want to come back here. Hmm. So you mentioned a statement earlier where you said that that's what you were worth, a minimum wage job working for your uncle, trekking through the winter in Wisconsin, which I've been to <laughs> Milwaukee in the winter. Yeah. No, no way in hell am I trekking through anything. <laughs> I'm staying in the hotel. Yeah, good um, six inches. Yeah, not a fan. Um, knowing what you know today, and again, it's not like this was in the 1960s. This was four years ago. But knowing what you know today, knowing what you know about side hustles, the internet, the way you can make money. Is that actually what you were worth or is that, that what, just what you were telling yourself you were worth? It's uh, a super interesting question. I think, um, no, I, I completely believe that that was probably what I was worth. Just Why? because I think like I, I, up to that point in my life, maybe not, maybe not a minimum wage job. I don't know. Um, that's really interesting. I think I just never accomplished anything in my life to show that I was worth a lot more. Yes, I, I mean, sports stuff, right? Like I traveled, I mean, I traveled the U.S. playing baseball when I was 11, went to Cooperstown and all that. But I, I honestly think at that point, like if you would like write it out, it's like, what is Tommy Champa worth? It's like this. Like it's, it's not, like he's not going anywhere right now. And he hasn't proven to anybody in the past probably two, three years that he can do much more. Like I was given chances multiple times and I didn't do anything with them. And so at that point, I, if I look back and would rate myself, it's like, yeah, no, this is a hundred percent what he should be worth. Hmm. That's interesting. What, I mean, so let me ask you this today in 2020, do you feel like you're worth more than where you are or, or roughly where you're at? Yeah, no, I, I would say I'm worth a little bit more now. Um, are you saying like compared to then or compared to almost now? No, compared to now. Like, so at that time you're working a minimum wage job and you feel like this is what I'm worth, what you're doing today, both in your job and side hustles and life in general and self-development, are you level with where your worth is or do you still, or is your worth actually higher or lower than where you are? Are you outperforming or are you underperforming still to this day? I think, I, I think I'll always kind of look at it as I'm underperforming, but I think it's because I expect more of myself. Okay. And so I think if I look at myself right now, I think I'm like, I'm valued at where I should be, but I should, in my mind, I should be valued more because I need to do more work. Hmm. If that makes sense. So like, yeah. I, I think it's good to like, give yourself a boost and be like, no, like what I'm doing right now is, is good. Like I'm on a good path and everything like that. But I also don't think you should be like, no, nah, I'm definitely worth like a million bucks right now. Like I, I just don't think, and maybe one time when I get there in my life, but I don't think anybody should like 
think of their worth as like so much more than everybody else's. Yeah, you like want to keep it realistic. Totally. And I, I'm a little bit of a, a pessimist in that. I think like there's so much stuff about like speaking your goals or whatever, or like just being positive, but I'm realistic with it. It's like, no, like I'm 23 years old living with my sister. Like I'm not worth a, a million, $2 million. And I'm okay with that. I'm just realistic that maybe I want to get there someday, but I'm not worth that now. And so I have work to do is kind of the way that I look at it. Mm. I like that. I like that. And eventually you'll get to a point, hopefully where you are worth whatever, um, you know, and, and I talk about this, sorry, tangent. Um, I talk about this a lot too. We, we base the majority of our success on money. Here's the reality. If you're making half a mil, okay, let's just say somebody was making half a mil or I don't know, 3 million a year (laughs) or 300,000 a year. Your life is not that much different from any of those points. No. Yeah, totally. Like there's nicer crap you can afford. But at some point, as someone who's met a lot and worked with a lot of people who are making that million dollars and over, Mm -hmm. there's pretty much nothing you can't do. You can go finance a (laughs) private jet. Yeah. So money is not the, I mean, once you get basically covering your basic needs and, and some luxuries in life. Money's not the motivator anymore. I mean, it's a it's a way to keep score. Don't get me wrong; like a totally. lot of people enjoy the game, um, but money is not the end all be all on that point. And and that's when you have to look at it and say, okay, like what what is what is the three million dollars in network net worth in personal relationship value that I can bring to the table? How do I quantify that? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's funny because you hear so many like successful people like say, oh, the money like once you make enough money, it doesn't really matter that much. You know, like they just want to be healthy, good relationships and everything. And then I always look at myself and it's like, man, that's so hard to believe right now. You know, but like almost every successful person says it. That's, I would say, genuine. Like, yeah, the money's good. Like you were saying, like there's really no difference once you kind of hit a certain threshold. And yeah, there's a little bit, but. Yeah, it's it's 100% true. Uh, I've just seen it over and over and over and over again. Um, now, again, that doesn't mean it's not a motivator. And that doesn't mean yeah. it's a bad motivator. Money does buy freedom. Uh, it buys peace of mind. It buys the ability to go take care of your family, extended family, those in need, you know, give the charity, et cetera. Absolutely. Um, so let me ask you this. So, so on your path to enlightenment, your, your, <laughs> your ever elusive epiphany you were looking for. Yeah. Um, I sound like a prophet almost, I guess. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Um, what it was there? Oh, okay. Let me ask you this. Was there like a specific book? that you read and you were like, Oh crap, this is like really going off for me. Yeah, totally. Um, what was it? start with why by Simon Sinek. Oh, I love Simon Sinek. Sorry. I love Simon Sinek so freaking much. Isn't he I, awesome? <laughs> okay. Again, tangent real quick. Go for Simon it. Sinek. I saw him speak in person in 2013 talking oh. about start with why. And I have loved that man and his work so much since then <laughs> it is incredible anyway go ahead yeah no he's uh he's insane and he was like the so when i was living in my sister's basement i started digging into just people like i had i had no clue who tony robbins was in 2016 or gary v or any of these people and he was like the first one that i ever found and i watched like you know the the i think it's his ted talk where he draws the circles yes and i was just 
blown away. I was like, why doesn't every company think this way? Why doesn't every person think this way? Um, but that book was really interesting to me because I never thought of things that way. I always thought about like what I did and like how I can get better, but I never thought about like the why behind everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a big thing. Like if you look back in my journey, I think like there was no why. Like my why was to party, have fun, be cool, get girls, that kind of thing. Um, but his work has been like, I mean, I read that book every year, I think. And it's just like, I wish more people would almost understand that. Like, I don't think it's always specific about like what you do, which it's good to like what you do or love what you do and how you do it. But I think that why is super important to figure out because I think it'll give you a lot of clarity through your day, your week, your life in general of like why exactly you do what you do. Do you ever read Leaders Eat Last by Cynic? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. That was like the the one book that's on my bookshelf right now. Yeah, it's um, I, I'm a much bigger fan of Simon Sinek than I am of the Gary V's and the Tony Robbins of the world. Not that I'm I dislike them. Um, they just tend to be again they they fall into that hardcore extreme aspect of well everything. Gary yeah. V is like one of the most extreme human beings you'll ever hear. Yeah. Um, but Simon Sinek is a is a you know, a clinician basically yeah. and a researcher. Totally. <laughs> He's like, here's facts, here's data, here's all the studies we did, here's what we found. It's not like yeah. you gotta go grind and go to yep. freaking uh, uh garage sales and flip it on eBay. Yeah. Like, Whoa, dude, calm down. Like I'm a grown man. I, yeah. I only have so much time in the day. Yeah, chillax a little bit, right? Yeah. So that was impactful. What else was impactful with, from a reading standpoint? Um, I think the compound effect was another big one. And I think that's talked about a lot. Like that's a super I guess, classic, like personal development in quotes, um, book, but just realizing that like what you do over time actually compounds and that could be for the good or the bad. Correct. Um, cause I saw my mom do it for the bad. Like she, in both ways of her life of like the alcohol and also the health, it was like, she never took care of her health, never went to the doctor, kind of ate crappy, smoked a little bit, and that led to, I mean, she had a family history of cancer, but that led, that sped up that process. Yeah. And then also from the alcohol, it was like, I mean, she drank every day. So like that compound effect led to one poor health, but two alcoholism and going to rehab and everything. And so then I looked back at like those three, four or five years of me, whatever it was doing like crappy stuff. It's like, holy crap. Like I remember reading that book, like, wow, at this point while I'm reading this book, my compound is terrible. Like I, I, my effect is probably negative at this point. Like I'm just not mm. in a good spot. Um, and so I think that's super, it, it helps you think more long-term of like, maybe today isn't the best, but if I can win tomorrow and the next day or whatever it may be, like that compound will just be insane is kind of the way that I look at it. That makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, tell me about your friends <laughs> and the friends you were surrounded with at the time of your rock bottom. And what happened to those friends as you started pulling yourself out of that rock bottom? Yeah. Yeah. It's a question I get a lot, actually. Uh, just even talking with like everyday people um, or like people on the street, which I'm not doing too much right now because that's COVID, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think uh, it's like a, not a touchy subject, but I like, I mean, I love those guys. Like we had a, I don't know if you had it in high school, but you got like your click, right? Like we were, yeah. we were the jocks who partied. Um, and we partied at my house and stuff like that. But um, I, I think they're like blood brothers. Like I, you, yeah, we had fun and we screwed up and did stuff, but like you went through life together. 
And like you went through experiences and cried and did things that like you didn't do with other people. So I think one thing I think a relationship is, is just, it's a like shared experience. And like, you can't really replace that. I could tell you all the stories, but it's different when you go through them. Um, and so I, I really appreciate those guys and I th- like, I'll love them forever. But uh, yeah, after kind of realizing that it was just a repetitive cycle of what we were doing and everything, I, I literally probably three months like removed myself from that, like that, from that town in general, um, but from that group specifically. Uh, and I did it in a way that probably wasn't the best. I kind of jumped ship instead of saying like, hey guys, here's where I'm going or here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. But I felt at that point that if I tried to explain, I would either get made fun of or just, or I would get to the point where I tried to explain and be like, dude, it's not worth it. And I would go back. Um, why do you think you would have made been made fun of? I think it's like tough because because I don't want to talk bad about them. Like I love them, um, but they're just in they're in life where they want to be, and they're doing what they want to do. And I I think at that point I think like changing our lives was looked at as kind of weird, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I'll generalize it, but a small town vibe is like like you you grow up there and you either leave right away or you stay there for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I would say a majority of my friends are probably the ones that will probably stay there for a while. Nothing wrong with that. I think that is completely fine. But I think if you're one that jumps, you're looked at as like, wow, I I wonder how that kid's doing. I wonder why he did that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And so I think that's why kind of the general gist of either made fun of or just told like, dude, that's stupid. Stay. Hmm. Interesting. So what did you notice about once you separated yourself and you started going down this route when you were looking for new friends to make? It's funny. I was talking with my sister the other day and this might be a a sad point, but I think it's also a really cool point. Um, If I got married today, I would have no clue how to fill up like my groomsmen. Hmm. Uh, Other than my sister, my dad, and one guy here, uh, Mike, who is a couple years older than me, but he's just been really impactful in my life. And kind of has a similar life of like where I'm looking to go. Um, And so I talked to her and she's like, does that make you sad? And I was like, not at all. Like I'm surrounded by the people that I want to be surrounded by. And don't get me wrong. I had like, I still have some friends from back home that I talk to every now and then. And I like made friends on campus, but nothing like uh, people that I hang out regularly. Like if you looked at my phone, I probably talked to, to Mike, my grandma, my sister and my dad. Like that's probably the top four and that's it. So let me ask you this, because I am a big believer in men having friends, though, and deep friendships. You know, why do you think you're having such a hard time or maybe it's on purpose filling those gaps? And I mean, do you even want deeper relationships? I, I don't know. Like, talk to me about that. No, yeah, I totally get where you're coming from, because I'm it's interesting because I think I do want that, but I think I also don't. Um I'm like super intentional with what I do now, almost to the extreme. Um, like, cause I just don't want to like start that curve or compound effect. If we're going back to that of like going back where I was. So I'm really intentional with like who I actually get to know and who kind of like gets into my life. And I agree. I think it's super important to have like those manly, um, not even manly, take that word out, just really good relationships especially as a man, because sometimes we tend to not have as many as 
women, it seems like, um, maybe I'm generalizing there, but I think for me, like I'd rather spend time with my grandma. Like she raised me from 14 to 19 and was there in the household and was the reason why I could stay in that town. And so I think it's great to be able to have different relationships, but if I'm being completely honest right now in my life, I would rather spend three hours with her than three hours with guys hanging out Mm. and just be super intentional with that time because I know it's not, it's not going to be there forever. And I can always, in my opinion, I can always make friends later on. Well, let me ask you this. What if it's not three hours hanging out, but three hours of intentionally challenging each other to grow? I, I think that's where I haven't found, like I said, like Mike and a couple of guys that um, I know through Mike are probably a group like that where they would challenge me a lot more. Um, it's tough to hang out now during COVID and everything. Um, but I don't think I found anything other than like that specific kind of group outside. Like I haven't found people like that, I guess, is a way Mm. from what I've seen and what I've experienced just with like people around college and even here in Milwaukee that just that I've gotten to know, there hasn't been a lot of groups that would do that, if that makes Mm. sense. Interesting. But I do commend you on wanting to spend time with your grandma. I wish more people did that. (laughs) Yeah, I think, well, I just think like, I don't even know what happiness is, but I think like a lot of it is based off of relationships and and who you're around. Like I, I just enjoy that relationship so much and I cherish it and I owe her probably a lot <laughs> uh, for keeping her up at two in the morning with parties and stuff. So I think just being able to like sit there and watch sports and hear her swear at the TV when Aaron Rodgers throws a pick mm. is like some of the moments Damn that it, I will do. <laughs> or when the Badgers fumble football or or when, yeah, she uh, she's very vocal. Um, but I think those will be the times that I look back on in life and it's like, man, those are some of the best times. So I'm going to spend as much as I can with her and, and just have fun, play games and take her money in cribbage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let, let me ask you this. So you're yeah. 23. Let's fast forward to 30. Tommy Champa. Oh man. But what does what does your life even look like at 30? Like what is what do you want to accomplish? What do you, it can be financially, it can be emotionally, it can be spiritual, it can be whatever. I don't care. Just talk to me about what does the vision look like? Yeah, scary thoughts sometimes. Um why I scary? Think, uh it's just I I love looking forward like that, but I think there's going to be so much change especially in the way that I think that I don't know if I'm ready to like think about it almost. Um because right now I'll be completely honest, my my goals and what that be seven years um, are to one, not always have to work my corporate job. Like I think uh, that's just kind of the way that I think. And um, I just want a little bit more of that freedom. And then like, I don't want to be married. <laughs> um, like I, I don't see a relationship in my future right now. Uh, like I don't want kids. I don't want a house to be completely honest. I just want to live super simple and do the things that I enjoy, which is, I love editing videos, which I found out recently, and I've been doing a little bit more of that. Um, And I love playing sports and stuff like that. But that's kind of like my future in seven years is super simple with like not having to either like work my day job and just having like different streams of income, maybe that way or whatever. Um, But just like a super simple life. And it's kind of boring. And so the reason why I say it's scary is because my dad always tells me at some point, some girl's going to come sweep you off your feet and whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I'm sure in that seven years, my perspective of, I'll look back at this podcast and be like, holy crap, you know, I was so far off. Um, but I don't 
really 100% want to think that way because I just like that's where I want to be right now. And I'm sure at some point it'll change, but uh, it's interesting. I'm kind of boring in that sense, I think. Well, I can almost guarantee you your perception. I don't know in what way it'll change, <laughs> but I can guarantee you it'll change between now and then. Oh, yeah. I'm just curious what your answer would be as you're thinking through. Yeah, no, I, I think it'll definitely change. Like if, right now, like I don't even want to have kids by 30, but I bet you when I hit, I don't know what age it'll be, but I bet you at some point I'll be like, you know what? Like I'll, I'll, I definitely want some kids right now. Um, and so I get challenged on it a lot from like my sister and dad. And my grandma's always pressuring me like, Tommy, like you got to bring a girl home at some point. Like I got to meet her before I die. And it's like, holy crap, grandma, keep, like take the pressure off. We'll just get say, there when damn, it happens. <laughs> she, uh, she's like, I want to meet her before everything. It's like, all right, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll hop on that ship when it comes by. But right now I'm kind of focused on just like doing better in general and, and doing the things that I like to do. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, uh, go back in time a little bit then. All right. So uh, we're coming up on time over here, but the question I always ask is knowing all that you know and knowing all that you know about yourself today, if you can go back to 18 year old you, which is not that far off, you <laughs> know, what's one years. piece of it? Yeah. What's one piece of advice you would give yourself? Yeah. I think the one thing that I really live by and I put it in a hashtag on my LinkedIn, but, and it's kind of cheesy to be completely honest. Um, but it's just progress, not perfection. Like I would tell myself, just start doing something and like start changing and don't worry about it being perfect. Don't worry about what other people are saying. And I think, especially in this day and age, I think with people around my age, it is super, super easy to worry, <clears throat> worry about what other people think of what you're doing, not even just about you, but about what you're doing. And I would tell myself, like, kind of drop all that and honestly, just go after what you want to go after. And do it with progress, not perfection. Cause I think if you sit there with prog or you sit there trying to be perfect, you'll never act. You'll just, sure. you'll just sit there and kind of like take yourself out of the game almost. Um, and so if I was 18, I think that's the big thing. I would also tell myself to put the beer down and go work out or something. Um, cause I think that would probably be super beneficial for my health at that point. Uh, maybe go for a run or something and, uh, get off the couch and take the dip out of my mouth but um mm, good old wintergreen oh my god uh, we were copenhagen boys uh, mm. when they came out with the new mint that was our our big thing uh in high school where we, that was like the the coolest thing on the block was cope mint so wow okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh put the beer down <laughs> that's the like the, the majority of dude like that's the majority of it. it's like put the beer down go do something else like if i could i guess if i could tell myself that at 18 it would probably put change my life that's awesome well I, I guess i have a theme for the podcast put the beer down and go do something else yeah absolutely well tommy um this was fun i'm glad we we finally got to connect it took us like forever oh, man. but yeah, um back and forth between the two of us we both yeah interesting um <laughs> how can folks get a hold of you yeah i'm uh i'm probably most active on linkedin uh at, which is thomas champa uh c-i-a-m-p-a and then uh, I'm on Twitter a little bit, I think at the same or Champa underscore Thomas, something like that. And then I actually started a YouTube channel, uh, just kind of posting some of the videos that I do on LinkedIn on there, uh, but I'm not super great at it and everything. But LinkedIn would probably be the biggest one. Um, and I'm always open for conversation, especially in the day of COVID. It's a little bit harder to have conversations in person. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm always open and, and uh, cool to chat with and that's awesome. I'll put that in the show description. Um, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. 
Um, for folks listening, as always, info at mmcip.co. If you've got questions, you got people you want us to interview, you want to make introductions, you got complaints, constructive criticism only, though. Don't complain and whine without a solution. We don't listen to that. I'm not trying to hear it. If you have a problem, offer a solution. That's how you deal with life. Uh, but outside of that, we'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs>